I keep waiting for her to call and say this whole thing was just another one of her crazy stunts. Prologue I met Addison Stone only once. She had enrolled as a freshman in my creative writing workshop at Pratt Institute. There were only six other students in my class, and as a visiting instructor I was happy we'd be such a tight group. Fifteen minutes into the session, I'd figured this A. Stone person wasn't attending. So when a girl skittered in, late and unapologetic, I was annoyed. She was striking, tall yet delicate, with pale skin and dark eyes, and two braids like a pair of flat black ropes past her shoulders. The scars on her wrists caught me off guard. She didn't speak, not even to apologize for being late. Perhaps most telling, she scraped back the only empty chair so that it stood outside the circle I'd arranged. When she sat, her paint-spattered arms dropped at her sides as if she had no use of them. We'd been making introductions, so I started over for her benefit. We went around the circle again, a few sentences each about who we were and where we'd come from. When we got to Addison, she shook her head. I'm not here yet, she said softly. Startled, some of the other students looked to me for a reaction. Who did this girl think she was? I had none. I was thinking, who'd remember anything else about that day, except for the girl who told them she wasn't there? Before they left, I gave an assignment. Pick a memory and describe it in the voice of yourself at the age you lived through it. One paragraph or one page, no more. Due in my inbox by five o'clock on Friday. At 5.13 on Friday, Addison's essay hit. I'm last. I'm late. I pull my chair away for comfort. I'm invisible and exposed. My words establish my walls. My whole life I'm two people. I am I, and I am her. I've been asked to pin down a moment. But do I care about my past? Why would I want to look behind when I'm hurtling forward so fast? I'm mostly scared I can't catch up with me. I am always, almost, out of time. A moment later, my inbox pinged with Addison's next email. I'm dropping the class. And that was it. Of course, I never forgot her. When I heard that Addison had left Pratt after one semester, I was disappointed but like everyone else on the faculty, I kept an eye on her career. I silently cheered when her self-portrait was accepted into the Whitney Biennial. I was fascinated by her prank, Project Number 53. Then, by next July, she was dead. A brilliant artist, all that potential, erased. It was heartbreaking and pointless. I'd been blocked trying to come up with my next book idea, and as I learned more about my former student, I couldn't shake the fact that Addison Stone's life had all the ingredients of a perfect novel. 
Ultimately, I have to credit Julie Jernigan's explosive Art and Artist magazine cover story, Who Broke Our Butterfly, The Last Days of Addison Stone, for kickstarting me to dig for a deeper truth, as it hinted that either one of two famous young men to whom she'd been linked romantically, Zachary Fretapietro and Lincoln Reed, might be culpable. Every time I read that single cryptic paragraph Addison had dashed off for my class, I wondered if in some way she'd been asking for me to find her all along. I decided to go looking. With a year off from teaching, I threw myself into my research. I taped hundreds of interviews from people whose lives were connected to Addison's. Her story took me from Sag Harbor to California, from Europe to Nepal, and of course to Peacedale, Rhode Island, where Addison spent her childhood. She began to obsess me. In every gallery.